Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. I am the co-host of this program. Charlie is not here. I just spoke with him today. He is, in fact, alive. And we will be heading to Miami tomorrow morning to go to the Students for Liberty Liberty Con convention, hang out with some people, do some interviews, shake some hands, meet some faces, all of those things, and maybe we'll hang out in Miami for a couple of days afterwards. I don't know. I can't confirm. But anyway, if this is your first time listening, make sure you hit subscribe, follow, all that. Go to joingml.com and pay as little as $6 a month so you can hang out in the live Discord, private Discord channel with all of these fine folks. As I said yesterday, there's a bit of an argument going on. Who's better, me or Charlie? Some people think it's me. And some people are wrong. So you come in here and chime in whenever you get the time. It's Dumb Bleep of the Week because we are leaving tomorrow to go to Miami. We normally do it on Friday. Today it's Thursday. So there could be some more dumb things that happen. I caught a couple from yesterday that I ended up uh, being able to add in. We still have plenty of things, and I still had to remove some things, and today we actually have 12, and we normally have 10, but there's only one of us talking about them, so we should still be able to go through it pretty quickly. Yeah, how can Charlie be your favorite when he's not even here? I mean, that how does that work out? I don't understand that one at all. Okay, Dumbly number one, let's go into it. You guys heard about this, I bet. Alex Jones! He's ordered to pay $965 million for the Sandy Hook victims in the latest trial, and he still has another one to go through. Is he going to pay $965 million? No, we know how this works out, but this is, uh, I don't know, ridiculous. Everyone knows he can't pay that much money. He's not worth that much money. Were there that was there that much in damages done? Now, we talked about this whole Alex Jones thing, and we talked about whether or not you should be able to sue people for defamation. We went through a few of the specific things that he said where he listed out like a specific parent and singled them out. We know that there were some death threats and, and all of that that happened. Is he liable for any damages for any of the lies that he told? I think you could make the case that he is. One thing I want to know is, did he know that they were lies at the time that he was that he was saying them? That is one thing that I do think is important. If he thought it was true, well, uh, I, I I don't know. Can you get sued for being wrong? What about all the other lies that we hear all the time? We just played a long video yesterday of a whole bunch of people in the government and the media telling you that if you got vaccinated, you wouldn't be able to spread COVID. Joe Biden even said that if you got the vaccine, you wouldn't die from COVID. What, you know, what about Rachel Maddow going out there and saying that this stops transmission? It stops. There's no way that you can send it to anyone else. Was there anyone hurt by that? Were there people who heard that they got vaccinated and then they went and hung out with their 90 year old grandma afterwards because they thought that there was no way that they could spread the virus around? Well, problem is, I guess these are public figures and they're saying what they believe to be true, whatever the scientists are saying at that time. So I'm just saying there's a bit of a double standard here when it comes to who can lie or spread misinformation and who cannot. You guys remember that whole Iraq war thing? That was a thing. 
when they had weapons of mass destruction. We knew that for sure. They had the WMDs, so we got to go in there and stop them. Never found the darn things. I don't know. Maybe we waited so long that they were able to move them all out of the country. Who knows? But it seems like there were some lies that were told in that scenario and a lot of people that were severely damaged from all of those lies. Anyone get sued and had to pay a billion dollars after that? No. No. So one of the quotes in here from this article from the AP, one of the parents, Robbie Parker, who lost his six-year-old daughter, said outside the court that he was proud that, quote, we were able to accomplish this just to simply tell the truth, and it shouldn't be this hard. I will push back on the parent, Robbie Parker, just a little bit right there, because this was not just to simply tell the truth. Alex Jones has already said that he was wrong. He has apologized. He has said several times that he was wrong, that it was not a hoax. This is not forcing him $965 million just to get the truth out there. If that's what it was about, well, he's already said that it was not a hoax, that uh, he was wrong about that, and he has apologized to the families. That's already happened. This is about money and a billion dollars. not just about money because I know they can't get it. It's about sending a message, and it's about trying to destroy Alex Jones. Whatever you think about him, that's what this is. This is trying to take any of his future income that he ever makes, trying to destroy his company, get any future income that he ever makes, and just totally destroy him and send the message out there to everyone else who might consider alternate theories, alternate theories. Notice the phraseology I use there about events that happen. Yeah, it's a message. It's an example. Be scared. Be scared of what you say out there because you might have your entire life destroyed. That's what this message is. That is dumb bleep number one, in my opinion. How about number two? Saw this one earlier in the week. Ugh. Imagine tweeting this and feeling okay about it. This comes from the Selective Service Twitter. I'm just saying, imagine tweeting this and feeling good about it. Good Lord. Well, Nate, what is it? Okay, I'll read it. Parents, if your son is an only son and the last male in your family to carry the family name, he is still required to register with the Selective Service. Learn more about who needs to register. Tweeting out, hey, if your son's the only son and the last male in your family to carry the name, he still has to register for the draft. There's no way to get out of it. We own you, all right? If we ever if we ever get into that time where we really, really, really need to save Ukraine, well, we're going to take your only child. Here's a list of all the rules for how you can register. I can't imagine, I can't imagine tweeting that and feeling good about yourself, being able to sleep later and not having any conflicting ideas or thoughts in your minds while you're posting it. I'm not real sure. This kind of seems like slavery. Obviously, we would be against the draft. Of course, they can't just pluck you out of your life and force you to go fight for whatever cause the government has decided is important enough to force you to go give your life for it. You can't. You can't do that. We do still have it, though. I did post in response there, the 13th Amendment says that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a crime where you've been convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Of course, the caveat to that is if the government wants to force you into involuntary servitude, then they can do that. And uh, Jeff 
Jeff just mentioned, I, I forgot about putting this in the show, but I did, I did see that if you have, uh, how do you say this? A trans daughter, meaning a biological son. Did I say that correctly? I'm really bad at, at, at figuring out how to say it. A trans daughter, if you have a biological son, you are still required to register for the draft, meaning that the government is still officially saying that you're a biological male. Can we just get that out there? Uh, so argument finished, right? Doesn't matter what BS they say in what committee hearing or whatever it is they want to virtue signal about. They're still at the end of the day saying <clears throat> you're a biological male. You got to sign up for the draft. All right. That's where you figure out how much they actually care about it, what they actually believe when it comes to whether or not they can take you and force you to go die for the government. Um, you're a biological male. All right. That's what matters. That's dumb bleep number two. See why there's 12? We're just going to run through these because we don't have Charlie piping in, saying whatever the hell Charlie says about things. Who knows? That was number two. Sorry, Charlie. I'm just kidding around. But this one's got several portions to it. Here's, KJ, here's KJP um, out here. Man, she says a couple things that we have to go into just a little bit. Let's, uh, let's play this clip. She's always great. I haven't checked the volume yet, but this is probably pretty good. When a MAGA Republican says something uh, racist and, or anti-Semitic, they are embraced by cheering crowds and become celebrated and sought after endorsements. Senator Tuberville, let's not forget, this just happened, uh, saying black people uh, commit crimes. Doug Mastriano attacking his opponent in Pennsylvania governor's race for sending his children to a Jewish day school. All right, so she, um, she gives two examples there. Senator Tuberville saying... Now, let's just take the words that she said. I will admit, I was supposed to dig up the tweet or whatever it is that Tuberville said. Uh, he probably had maybe too much of a spin on it, but here's what she said. Senator Tuberville saying that black people commit crimes? Okay, um, so there's number one. I don't know exactly how he said it. I'm admitting that right now. It could be way out there. He could be saying uh, that... He could be saying something racist. He could be saying that black people are more likely to commit crimes because black people are terrible or whatever. I have no idea what the tweet is. If anyone actually wanted to help out with that research, if you've seen it, you could let me know in a live group. But she just says Senator Tuberville saying that black people commit crimes. Okay, well, guess what? Um, members of... Yeah, if he, said, if he said only black people commit crimes, that would be Costco, you're right, if he said that. Or if he said that black people commit crimes uh, because black people are terrible or something, then that would clearly be wrong as well. Now, if he was just pointing out statistics, I don't know what exactly the point he is he'd be making with that, but if you were pointing out statistics, I mean, the statistics are pretty clear on the issue, and I don't think it has anything to do with someone being black but the stats are pretty clear on this. Unfortunately, this graphic I noticed is from 2018. But uh, not that this matters. And I'll tell you why this probably is. But you know, white people make up 60.4% of the population. Uh, let's see. Non-fatal violent crimes, 45%. Non-fatal violent crimes, excluding others, at 38%. These are just non-fatal crimes. All right. 
So we'll go with that. Black people make up 12.5%, and that's 33 to 36% on those non-violent, uh, non-fatal violent crimes. Now, I'm not making any point about that where I'm saying that uh, black people are worse than white people or anything. But she was, all she said was that he, Tuberville said that black people commit crimes. Yeah, they do commit crimes. I don't think it has anything to do with specifically uh, your race. I think it's an economic problem. Honestly, that, that's what I think it is. I, I don't have anything else past that to say about it. Now, what about with Doug Mastriano? who's running for governor in Pennsylvania. She said that he called out uh, Josh Shapiro, I think is his name, for sending his kids to a Jewish day school. And of course, this is very anti-Semitic. That's what's happening. So why don't we listen to what he said? Now, remember, he said anti-Semitic things by calling out Shapiro for sending his kids to a Jewish day school. And we have it on tape. Luckily, we've got this on tape. Let's see what he said. This is something Josh Shapiro can't relate to. He grew up in a privileged neighborhood and attended one of the most privileged schools in the nation as a young man, not college. I'm talking about as a kid. Sending his four kids to the same privileged, exclusive elite school, thirty dollars to $40,000 per pupil. Yeah, so uh, we talk about him having disdain for people like us. We saw that. And I'll lay this out here. I'll, I'll give you facts. As John Adams said, our second president, facts are stubborn things. So we live in a world of facts. So I'm sure you heard it, too. That was him uh, making blatant anti-Semitic comments about kids being sent to a Jewish school. Right? That's what you heard? Okay, me either. What I just heard was him essentially making a class argument or the elite liberal Democrat argument that he doesn't understand what all of us go through on a daily basis. Look how privileged he is. He sent his kids to a school, a private school, paying 30, 40 grand a year. Or maybe that was for Shapiro's, uh, the, the candidate himself school, whatever it was. He doesn't understand what everyday people are going through. And, of course, there's school choice arguments as well, but Shapiro actually seems to be pretty open to the uh, school choice argument, so I don't know if that's exactly where he was going. But, of course, the media has to take this and say, well, he clearly is just saying this because the kids went to a Jewish school. That's what's going on right now. You see, when, when you actually are, as a Republican making a class struggle argument, which is what the left lives on at all times, when you make that, they flip that around and say, oh, well, you're just racist because he went to a Jewish school and that's what you're mad about. They're really good at that kind of stuff, all right? Once again, I'm a little bit impressed by it. But when I look this whole thing up to try and figure out what was going on, I see all of the articles through here Mastriano's claims about Jewish school draw rebuke all this. Mastriano attacks Shapiro for going to a Jewish school. Mastriano makes Josh Shapiro's Jewish education an issue. Mastriano makes opponent Jewish day school. All of these things. Is that what you guys heard? He didn't even say anything about it being a Jewish school. He was talking about it being an expensive private school and saying that he doesn't know anything about it. Now, I don't know anything about Mastriano. I haven't looked at it. 
Okay. Uh, is he super MAGA or whatever? Sure. I have no clue. I, I don't really care. That's not the point right now. If you want to make those arguments, then make those arguments. Let's talk about that. But I know some BS when I see it. And right now I'm seeing quite a lot of BS, like this article right here from the New York Times that went all into this attack on the Jewish school. Mastriano's attacks on Jewish school set out set off outcry over anti-Semitic signaling. That's that's what just happened. Four years, and this is how they started. Four years after the massacre at a Pittsburgh synagogue believed to be the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in American history, Doug Mastriano has rattled a diverse swath of the state's Jewish community, alarming liberal Jews with his remarks and far-right associations. Ah, Mastriano, who promotes Christian power and disdains a separation of church and state, has repeatedly lashed Mr. Shapiro for, atten- for attending and sending his children to what Mastriano calls a privileged and exclusive elite school, suggesting to one aud- audience that it invents Mr. Shapiro's disdain for people like us. Now, even in the quotes that the New York Times pull up, they don't have him saying even the word Jewish ever. That's where everyone else is going with it. This kind of thing is real dirty, but we're in an election right now. And it really bothers me because the left lives on this whole idea of this class warfare, these class struggles. And then when someone makes a point like, oh, hey, yeah, by the way, you're super rich and you sent your kids to private school and the public schools here suck. And let's make that point. They didn't flip that around and call you a racist. They're so good at it. So that's dumb bleep number three. Okay, number four, as promised. As promised, uh, Costco, I made this promise that this would still be in dumb bleep of the week. This is our fearless vice president who vice presidents like no other vice presidents. And it's important that we have the vice president because the president needs a vice president in today's society. She's saying that no one should go to jail for smoking weed. And speaking of the system of justice, we are also changing, y'all might have heard that this week, the federal government's approach to marijuana. Because the bottom line there is nobody should have to go to jail for smoking weed. Imagine, put yourself in the shoes of someone who is in jail or has gone to jail for smoking weed, and you have that on your record, and the person who put you in jail was Kamala Harris. Imagine being that person. Yeah. What would you think when you're hearing that? Kind of a shaking my head type moment, right? As I said earlier in the week, I, okay, if the federal government is actually going to flip on this, that is a good thing. And the outcomes could be good, of course. But these people do not need to be out there taking credit and acting like they're fighting for people and trying to get people out of jail for smoking weed like the uh, 2,000 people that Kamala Harris put in jail. It's Totally ridiculous. If you want to hear me talk more on that, I believe the first episode this week on Monday, we talked about that. So that's number four. Let's go to number five. This one especially 
gets my gears going. It might not for everyone else, but as some of you know, I, I uh, uh, several years ago, I did a little Uber driving and Lyft driving. Did some, I love doing Uber Eats. Actually, I still think about doing it because I thought it was really fun. Kind of weird, right? I don't know. I like sitting in my car listening to stuff. Well, the, the labor department is proposing a new rule, proposed a new rule on Tuesday that would make it more difficult for companies to treat workers as independent contractors, a change that is expected to shake up the business models of the ride-sharing, delivery, and other industries that rely on gig workers or independent contractors. The proposal would require that workers be considered a company's employees who are entitled to more benefits and legal protections than contractors, when they are economically dependent on the company. So if that is where you get the bulk of your income. The Labor Department said it will consider workers' opportunity for profit or loss, the permanency of their jobs, and the degree of control a company exercises over a worker, among other factors. So in this case, you know, they had tried to push through that PRO Act, and that was a law that they have actually wanted to get through Congress. And I actually think it would... If it went through, it would be the worst piece of legislation um, since the since the New Deal legislation. I think it would be one of the worst things, uh, worst legislation that we've ever had. Maybe Patriot, Patriot Act is in there also. I'm not sure. Um, this would be completely detrimental. And I'm not just talking about the companies, Uber and Lyft. It would be terrible for a lot of people. Here's the deal. There's over 10 million available jobs in the U.S. right now. We get those numbers. We got those numbers last week. It's called the JOLTS. The jobs numbers. There's over 10 million available jobs right now in the U.S. that uh, employers are trying to get filled. If you are working as an independent contractor and you would like to be an employee somewhere, then go take one of those jobs. But don't ruin this opportunity. And in this case, a labor department's trying to do it. And since they are a an agency, a bureaucratic agency that doesn't have to rely on Congress to do things, they might be able to get this rule through. And then we're going to have to go to the Supreme Court after that. And hopefully that's something that would get struck down if they did try to do this. Uh, so that, they are trying to sidestep the legislative process because they couldn't get enough support for the PRO Act to, uh, to go through. Um, don't destroy this for all the people who really enjoy being independent contractors. That's a choice, and it's a really good option for a lot of people. I did that because there were other things that I was trying to do in my life as well. Uh, things like when we first started this podcast, I was doing some Uber, Uber driving at that time. Uh, trading stocks in the morning several years ago when I was uh, when I was still Uber driving. I would do that, and then I would go drive for a little bit afterwards. Uh, there's... There's a lot of reasons. I was playing music. I was a traveling musician, moved to Nashville so I could travel around the world playing music. Unfortunately, you don't make a ton of money doing that kind of thing. And so Uber was a really great deal. And you know why it was better than anywhere else? Because I could decide to work whenever I wanted. And if I wanted to go work for an hour, that was good. And if I wanted to go work for 12 hours, then that was good. If I needed to get some money to pay a bill, you're in control of how long you work and how much money you make that day, to an extent, because it could just be a really slow day. We know that. All right. Listen, this is nothing more than unions trying to destroy their competition. You got your taxi unions. You got all kinds of other labor unions out there uh, that don't like the fact that you can do it. And, and you got, and this is mostly a union thing that's happening. Also, the government wants to, 
make sure that they're keeping track of everyone's earnings, getting all their taxes, uh, making sure that they get those numbers, those employee numbers on their books, because if you're an independent contractor, you might not be included. And the employment numbers, stuff like that, they've had an issue keeping track. This is ridiculous. And if they actually did pass the PRO Act, that would be terrible. This one would be terrible as well if it passed and it set precedent for this kind of thing. Let people who want to be independent contractors be independent contractors. All right. And if you want to go get a job somewhere else, then go get a job somewhere else. But you can't have it both ways. I did it because I could pick my own schedule. I could leave for weeks at a time. I could come back and work my butt off when I came back. And I didn't have to re- worry about losing my job in the process. I could always just log back onto the app. And that is freedom for a lot of people. It was freedom for me to be able to do all the crazy stuff that I was doing over the last five or 10 years. And I could still come home and make some money whenever I wanted to and not worry about losing my job in the process. That kind of freedom has trade-offs because when you are an employee, you don't get to pick your own schedule. Maybe you can end up getting some benefits, some random worker protections, whatever it is that they're worried about, but you also don't get all that freedom to come and go as you wish. So there is a trade-off. There is a value trade-off associated with that. So if you do actually think that people don't make enough money when they're doing all this gig work, they have made that trade-off because they don't want to go get a regular job somewhere else. And they are willing to take that trade-off. Let's not destroy one of the coolest industries that has popped up over the last decade. All right, that's dumb number five. More on that at a later date, I'm sure. Number six. Mm. Florida DBPR. During a state of emergency. Now, this is a picture of a guy getting arrested. All right. What did the guy do? He assaults someone. Maybe, oh, maybe he's doing, maybe he's selling drugs. I don't know what it is. Uh, stole someone's purse. Possibly broke into someone's car. I don't know. They're arresting this guy. It's got to be something really bad. Working without proper licensure is a felony. Thanks to DBPR's Division of Regulations, hard work in impacted areas. The Sheriff's Department arrested an unlicensed roofing worker putting Floridians at risk. During the state of emergency, working without proper licensure is a felony. They arrested an unlicensed roofing worker putting Floridians at risk. I, what about that free state, Florida? This is a this is a confusing one, DeSantis. This has got to go. Ron DeSantis, I know you're listening right now, ma'am. This one's got to go. It shouldn't matter whether or not someone has a license to do your roof. I understand that that could mean that they're better, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do a good job. All it means is that they paid a fee to the state. What people actually care about is whether or not someone does a good job, whether or not they do quality work. We don't need the licensing to do this. You could uh, get word of mouth recommendations. You could look at someone's ratings if they're listed somewhere as a worker. You could do, do references if you want to do something like that. But a license from the state means nothing. It really means nothing. I did a lot of work in this industry. <laughs> in addition to the Uber driving and Lyft driving that I was doing, I also ran a house flipping business with, uh, with one of my friends. And uh, we didn't buy and sell the houses, but we had a company that would contract through the people that were doing that. So every time they would get a house, they would call us in to go in there and do all of the work on the house. And by all of it, I mean all of it. Every single thing that ever needed to be done inside the house. That's what we did. 
We did 220 houses in the span of two years. It was a very, very busy time. Very busy. We slept in the van. We slept in the houses. They were empty. Or we would come home and get a few hours of sleep. But it was a busy time. We did really good work. We never got called back to fix something because we did it wrong. We got constant callbacks to do more work on houses, especially when we would do work for actual clients, people who lived in the house, homeowners. They would win us back all the time. Why? Because we were trustworthy. Because we did good work. Because we were good people and they could tell. That is what people actually care about. The idea that if that we might have been, been doing something illegal because we didn't have a license to do the things that we were doing sometimes. Who cares? We did good work. That's all that matters. You know, we would have needed to do to have a license, take a little test and pay like 75 bucks to the government. That's all it would have been. It's like taking your driver's test or something like that. It doesn't mean anything. Just telling you that. Totally ridiculous. Florida, you got to fix this if you're going to go with this whole free state thing. This is a little ridiculous. That's dumb bleep number six. Number seven, Nina Turner gets to be in the list. Now, listen, I know you take one look at me and think, Nate, you're a stone cold fox. I bet you've been reeling in the ladies with that beautifully bearded face for years. That's actually not the case. I've never been able to grow a respectable beard until the last couple months. What did I find out? Having a great-looking beard requires work. Whether it's beard growth oils, styling products, top-of-the-line trimmers, there's a ton of products out there to help you grow your best beard. I thought it was just going to happen all on its own, just overnight. But guess what? I'm not that guy. I can't do it. I've never been that guy. But luckily, Beard Club is here to help. As the leader in beard-first men's growth and grooming, Beard Club delivers quality hardware and consumables that'll help you get a better, thicker, and fuller-looking beard. Now listen, every morning I get up and I use the beard oil from Beard Club. I take my beard growth vitamins as soon as I get to work. At night, I use the beard growth spray. And a couple times a week, I use the Derma Roller which stimulates those stubborn, lazy hair follicles that have been letting me down all these years. That's right. I got the beard growth kit from the website. And if you've had a lot of issues like I have, uh, then that's the one that I would personally recommend. But if you're already on track and you're already growing that beard, they got a lot of really great products too. I'm just, I'm just not up that ladder yet. But after a couple months using these products, holy crap, my beard is actually looking better, fuller, more legit. And I finally have the confidence to go to a Libertarian Party convention and hang out with all those other classical Libertarian beards. So head over to beardclub.com slash GML, take the beard quiz, and use my code GML at checkout. They'll recommend the best beard kit that's tailored to fit your needs. No matter what type of beard you have, Beard Club has the perfect kit to fit your needs. Beard Club, over 2 million beards served. Grow your best beer today and take 20% off your first order when you go to beardclub.com slash GML. Use code GML. That's beardclub.com slash GML. Once again, use code GML for 20% off your first order. Oh, I try to not have her in the list. Number seven, Nina Turner. She's got it, she's got it all laid out. She's got the problem solved. You guys know we have issues with poverty. There's poor people out there, people who can't afford to pay for their homes or their 
uh, buy food or whatever. Well, she says, homes solve homelessness. Food solves hunger. Money solves poverty. It's really that simple. No, no, it's not. It's not that simple. Because if it were that simple, uh, then we <laughs> be then um we would have already solved all those things. Listen, I don't know exactly what the official number is. In 2014, we had spent 22 trillion dollars on the war on poverty. Uh, since then, we've had a lot more programs. I've seen estimates around 27, and I've seen some putting it over 30 trillion on the war on poverty. I know that we've spent enough money on the people that we could have given each one of them like 10 grand. We could have bought all of them houses. We could have fed them forever. We've spent the money. Money does not solve poverty. And if you want now, we talked about the poverty numbers and how we don't take into account all the programs. And I understand. I said in the episode where we talked about how the poverty numbers that we see they don't reflect all of the programs that we have to fight poverty. And there's a ton of programs, a lot of them. I've read all of them out on an episode previously. Actually, it wasn't all of them. I just got sick of writing them all down. So I've gone through and read all of them out. The numbers that we have, they don't take into account the money that we've put into those programs. And I understand both ways. I said that in the episode from a couple weeks ago. You would want to know, okay, how many people are actually living in poverty? And if you want to know that, well, then you would want to know, does that include all the money that we give them through different services? Well, the numbers that we have, they don't include that. You would also want to know, do these programs, because here I, I assume that there was, uh, I assume that there's a goal from all of our anti-poverty programs that we have. If I assume that there are good intentions, which is difficult to do, uh, now, maybe the intention is to keep people dependent on the government for their entire lives. Let's go with the uh, better assumption that the goal is to help people get out of poverty. We haven't really done that because all the money we spent on these programs, the actual poverty rate has stayed about the same. The reason that measurement would be important is do these programs put people in a position put our society in a position where people get out of poverty. Now, when you follow specific individuals, a lot of people do get out of poverty. But are we fixing the problems with the people in the bottom 10% or the bottom 20% or whatever? Are we solving those problems? Not really. Poverty rates staying basically the same this whole time. You're not seeing that everyone's climbing out of it or that we've built a strong enough foundation that we don't have to worry about this poverty thing anymore. You've seen the amount of money that we've spent go up and up and up and up and up. And the number, the poverty rate stay basically the same. And what you would want to see is that all that money that we put into the system has built a really strong foundation and people are rising up out of there and then there's children being born and they're not in poverty anymore because their parents rose up out of poverty, all that. That's not what we're seeing. 27 trillion is the number that I normally go with that we've spent. We could have housed everyone, fed everyone, could have just given everyone 10 grand if we wanted to. No, it goes to a lot of the bureaucracy. Money 
money solves poverty? How much money have we spent just giving people checks over the last couple of years, few years now? What are we dealing with now? Even worse situation with inflation. It's a lot more difficult than that, Nina. And I don't think she really takes the problem seriously enough. If she did take the problem seriously, then she would talk about actual ways to solve it. But just giving people money is not a solution to poverty. Building a home is not a solution to homelessness. Just giving a man a fish is not the solution to hunger. You want to know why those things happen. Why do those people get into those situations? Why are they in those situations? Why do they stay in those situations? And just simply giving people things doesn't actually solve the problem, Nina. Dumb bleep number seven. Maybe more on that next week. I was going to play me going through all the programs, but you guys get the idea. How about dumb bleep number eight? Uh, Tom says, can we just print more food in houses? Oh, we're getting to that point, you know, with 3D printing technology. And we're kind of getting to where we can just print the houses and, and we'll all be eating bugs here pretty soon anyway. And uh, those are pretty readily available. So we're almost there. We're just about there. You know, if we, uh, that $27 trillion, if we could have just gotten Musk to put that $6 billion in the hunger, would have been able to solve the problem after that, you know? Just not enough money thrown at the situation, from what I can tell. How about this ridiculous situation in L.A.? Now, it looks like it's been resolved. But the city council president, Nuri Martinez, this could have been a white pill, I guess. But it's also really dumb because uh, I'll explain here in a second. Nuri Martinez was caught on leaked audio describing fellow council member Mike Bonin's black son as... Oh, how would you say that? It translates to, he's like a monkey. That's not good. She also said of LADA George Gascon, F that guy, he's with the blacks. That's not good. But maybe she's just been a crazy racist her whole life, and she's probably never made any big points about other people being racist. Oh, good. Defined L's. That's good. Uh, Nuri Martinez In 2020, once again, Trump's racist policies against immigrants, people of color, and the Constitution comes to light. We'll see him in court again, where he hasn't been doing as good as of late, she says. Calling Trump racist, of course. It's good to call out people when they're doing racist stuff. And then, of course, leaked audio. F that guy. He's with the blacks. And, by the way, this guy's son uh, looks like a monkey. Mm. That's not good. In addition, Biden called for her resignation because of her racist remarks. I wonder if she then turned around and called for his resignation because of his racist remarks. I'm not really sure how that works. I thought it was kind of funny to see Biden calling for someone to resign because they made racist remarks. But, you know, it's 2022. But, hey, she has resigned her seat. I believe this came out today. She resigned her seat on the L.A. City Council because of all of that terrible stuff. So there is a resolution to the matter. Here's what I hate about this whole thing. These people, these city council, even city council members, the people on the woke left or the hard left or just your regular blue dog Democrat, whatever, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. You think they really care so much about every single little thing they portray as being a a racist thing said by 
this Republican or that Republican or how racist those people are and how terrible and disgusting and despicable they are because they mentioned uh, someone's kids going to a private school or whatever, that they really just care so much about people of color or whoever else it is, or do you think that this is all just a giant act to try and win elections and win power and try and get people to support them? That's what it really is. This is someone who had called out Trump for being racist. I doubt that's the only time she ever did it. That was just a specific Defiant L's tweet that I saw going around. And then accidentally, you hear the leaked audio of her literally saying that someone looks like a monkey and not messing with someone because he was with the blacks. Good thing she resigned. I'm sure she'll be on like The View or something as a one of the hosts here soon. I'm not sure how that goes. We're getting towards the end here, but it's getting deep, getting real deep. Number nine, this one's going to go to, uh, well, Randy Weingarten. She's the president of the American Federation of Teachers. I just pulled up her uh, Twitter right here. She's fighting for children and democracy and justice and public education and health care. And in case you're wondering, her pronouns are she, her. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure that we all got all that correct. Well, she posted earlier about waking up to reports of Russian missile strikes in Kiev and other cities. She's going to the border now to assess the situation. This is why this trip to Ukraine is so important. Why is Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, out there hanging out in Ukraine? That's that's one question I have. Like, like there aren't enough things to deal with here? I mean... That part is weird. The next thing that I wanted to bring up in the context of this whole situation is something that I noticed and that has been going around with Zelensky. Now, I don't know what he's saying, but I just have a question. Someone in the group just make the argument for me and let me know. What's up with the green screen? All right, this is not some big conspiracy theory or anything like that. Why do you guys think that he needs to post these videos in front of a green screen? It's clearly obvious, and I mean, I mean, it's very obvious. You can always tell. I, I started calling out really bad green screen work in movies to my wife, and now she calls it out. You can always tell because of the difference in the lighting. The lighting's a different color or a different shade on the person's face than the lighting in the background. And he's in front of a green screen. I'm not making that up. Here's literally a picture of him recording the video in front of a green screen. So that's, in fact, on the video. Might be cutting out the background a little bit. Yeah. So it's a green screen. You can tell because we have a green screen pullout here on the show. And so he's he's recording these in front of a green screen. Green screen. And you can make probably logical arguments for why he's doing it. Um doesn't want people to know where he is, all that. Uh, you can make plenty of arguments. The, funny enough, I found a fact check when I was looking this up. The green screen studio does not reveal deception by Zelensky. So here is a fact check. And the fact check is fact checking the claim that Zelensky is being deceptive. And their fact check says that this does not reveal deception by Zelensky. Now that's dumb enough on its own. So we know he's using it 
And you can tell from the video that he's not actually out on the streets. And I get why you wouldn't want to be out on the streets. But why would you want to make it look like you were out on there? Why not just show, like, hey, I'm in a bunker right now, guys. There's, like, thousands of people trying to kill me right now. We're at war. I'm in a a freaking bunker. Of course I am. What do you think I would be doing? Why make it look like you're out on the street? What's the point in that? And if I were to assign some, uh, I don't know. If I were to think of this negatively, well, I would think, well, he's trying to portray strength, doesn't care about stuff, uh, you know, he's not scared at all, showing the people that he's still out there with him. I just wonder, I just wonder what the reasoning is and why you wouldn't just show that you were hiding somewhere. And of course, a lot of the theories are that he's not even in Ukraine. I can't even get in. I can't even get into that part. I have no idea. For all we know, it could be in L.A. somewhere. That's all number nine. Zelensky green screen wine garden is what we'll call that. Here's a nice situation. We've only got a few more left. We're doing pretty good. I don't know if you guys saw this dust up. We talked about Musk tweeting out his Ukraine-Russia peace deal. All right, that happened October 3rd. We talked about this last week, about him tweeting this out. A lot of people got pretty upset about that whole thing. Well, apparently, a couple days ago, it comes out from Vice that Elon Musk spoke to Putin before tweeting Ukraine peace plan report. And Vice puts this out and says that Elon Musk spoke to Putin because there's a guy saying that he spoke to Putin. Now, Elon Musk himself says that he did not speak to Putin before doing this. I've spoken to Putin only once, and that was about 18 months ago. The subject matter was space, is what he said. Bremer, the guy who said he did it, reiterated that Musk told him he had spoken with Putin and the Kremlin directly about Ukraine. He also told me what the Kremlin's red lines were, all of that. So who's telling the truth in this scenario? I don't know. I really don't care. What I do know is it's really dumb that on Twitter, the Logan Act was trending At the time I took the screenshot, it was at 10,000 tweets. It ended up going up way higher than that. Took a screenshot. The Logan Act, the federal law that criminalizes negotiation by unauthorized American citizens with foreign governments having a dispute with the United States. The intent behind the act is to prevent unauthorized negotiations from undermining the government's position. Now, first off, we're not at war with Russia, are we? I don't think that's what's going on right now. The other thing is, Here's what bothers me. People are so entrenched in this war, this idea of this war, that you want to bring up the Logan Act because you think, here's the situation, you think that Musk talked to Putin and found out where Putin was on this whole thing and where all of his red lines were. Musk then comes back and says, hey guys, here's how we avert a nuclear war. This is what would have to happen to stop a nuclear war. Do you guys think this is a good idea? And that means that he's out there negotiating with foreign governments that we have a dispute with and that he needs to be charged with the Logan Act, which I didn't figure out what the punishment was for that, all because you're so upset on the idea that Musk might have talked to Putin before laying out a plan to avert a nuclear war where um, millions to billions of people end up dying from it afterwards. That's how entrenched in this entire idea you are. It's a scary thing. I don't think people are really taking this seriously enough. You can tell Musk is taking it seriously. He clearly has support for Ukraine. 
who knows what they would be doing if he hadn't sent over all the Starlinks for them to uh, to stay connected with one another. But eh, screw him. He he laid out a plan for how we might avert a nuclear war. He's clearly working for Putin. Must be negotiated with Putin. And then the other flip side of that device check with Musk to see what they had to say, what he had to say about it. Give Musk a chance to deny that that ever happened before they posted it. No, Vice's article says Elon Musk spoke with Putin before tweeting this report. As if it were just factual and not disputed whatsoever. This. <laughs> Maybe that's it, Jeff. That could be it. I'm glad I looked in the Dumbleep channel and found this little gem for Dumbleep number 11. We only got a couple more left, almost there. And the last one's video, so it's going to be pretty easy. Number 11, Politico Europe. Oh, Lord, this is real. This is a real thing from what I can tell. It took a war criminal to speed up Europe's green revolution. Vladimir Putin's brutal invasion of Ukraine has forced Europe to finally break its fossil fuel addiction. For this reason, he has topped our inaugural Politico Green 28 list. Read more here. That's right. He has topped the Politico Green 28 list of uh, the most influential green <laughs> um, powerful people out there. And it's Putin, by the way. By launching a bloody invasion of Ukraine, he has done more than almost any other single human being to speed up the end of the fossil fuel era. This is a real thing. I went to their website and pulled up exactly what they were talking about. And they actually are... I mean, it's not like an award or anything, but come on, Politico. The political response from the EU is swift. Within weeks of the February 24th invasion, a plan was sketched out aimed at unhooking the continent's energy ties. It leaned on three pillars, cutting oil, gas, and coal supplies from Russia. Quote, renewables give us the freedom to choose an energy source that is clean, cheap, reliable, and ours. Seven months on, the Politico survey of data on clean energy, energy savings, and policy show that the first signs of that green surge are appearing. Analysts are in little doubt that the change is structural, permanent, and historic. We will look back at this situation in 10 years' time and see. Okay, that was the moment where we really got serious about the green transition and we really had the big green acceleration. Really? Anyone? Truly? And the, the thing is, if you're going to make an omelet, you're going to have to break a few eggs, right? And I truly do believe, now that I don't think they're saying that that's a good thing, but if all you care about is climate change, well, this is kind of a good thing. Or if all you care about is transitioning to a different form of energy that you're invested in or that you could make a lot of money off of, well, then this was overall a good thing. That's one of the first things that we talked about when this whole thing started happening, that this was a really good situation for everyone who wanted to push green energy. And that leads to all sorts of conspiracy theories, but we can't really prove all of those on today's episode or ever. Who knows? But that's really what these people care about. Now, they gave him a score. You know, they, they, they put it out here. What's his influence score? 19 out of 30. 
On power, he got a 9 out of 10. On reach, he got a 10 out of 10. A lot of people paying attention. 9 out of 10 on power. On vision, he got a 0. But he still tops the list because he got a 9 on power and a 10 on reach. 19 out of 30. 0 on vision. But you know what? He might have really pushed us into this green energy transition while it wasn't for the right reasons. He didn't have the proper vision. They gave him a zero on the vision. All right. He might've actually pushed us into this cleaner, whatever green energy future. So, Hey, you know, who cares what his vision was? As long as we get some more solar panels out of the whole thing. I don't know who all he was up against. All right. I did not go through the rest of it. Just had to pull some of these clips. That's number 11. Wrapping us up here is President Joe Biden talking about his son who died. Not Hunter. The other one. The wrong kid died. Kidding. Let's hear what he had to say. Just imagine. I mean it sincerely. I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. Imagine the courage, the daring, and the genuine sacrifice, genuine sacrifice they all made. Yeah, that's right. He just said that his son um, got a medal, which he did, and lost his life in Iraq. Problem is, his son... Bo, I believe, died six years later from brain cancer. Now, maybe that was associated with his military service. I don't know. I've seen a lot of movies depicting this kind of idea. The question I have is, has he really gotten to the point? We've talked about this a lot, where you can just stand up in front of people and just say whatever the hell you want. Doesn't matter if it's true. Have we really gotten to the point to where he thinks he can get up there and say that Bo died in the wreck? Or... Has he really lost his cognitive abilities to the point where he, for a split second, thought that Bo died in Iraq? Both of those things are really bad, and those are the only two options. I hope everyone, everyone remember, those are the only two options. Either he really thinks he can lie and say that his son died in war, and that that's okay, or he's lost his mind to the point that... He thinks his son died in the war, and he's still the president of the U.S. Those are your options. Choose wisely. I doubt he's going to get all the heat that he deserves from this if he was, in fact, lying about it. They're going to say it was a gaffe, but man, that is one hell of a gaffe. Oops, I forgot how my son died. That's the gaffe. All right, those are the dumb bleeps for... This week, let me go to the Dumb Leap of the Week channel and put these numbers in here. All right, all those are in there. Get your votes in. Did they all post? Why are 11 and 12 not showing up like the others? There we go. Go over to the Dumb Leap of the Week voting channel and get your votes in to all the live people that are watching right now. Let me go over what all they were. Let's scroll back up through here. Number one, Alex Jones, a billion dollar. Number two, Selective service tweet. Number three, KJP talking about Mastriano. Number four 
is Kamala Harris saying that no one should go to jail for smoking weed. Number five is the independent contractor rule from the Biden Labor Department. Number six, Florida arresting a guy who was uh, fixing a roof and didn't have a license after a major hurricane went through. Number seven, Nina Turner, money solves poverty. It's really that simple. Number eight, this L.A. City Council situation that took place. Also, Biden being upset with her for saying racist stuff. Number nine, we got the Weingarten, Zelensky, green screen, Ukraine thing. All that stuff. Number 10, Vice, Elon Musk, Logan Act. Number 11, Putin congratulated by Politico for pushing us towards green energy. And number 12, our president, Joe Biden, either lying about how his son died or forgetting how his son died. Those are your two options. While we're making sure all the votes are coming in, and it looks like we got one running away, um, I'll just say, go to joingmail.com, like a few different people have been doing recently. Saw some new signups come in. We greatly appreciate that. That's how we keep the lights on around here. So join gmail.com. That brings you to our Discord channel where you can pay as little as six bucks a month and hang out live. You can vote for the dumb bleep of the week and eventually the dumb bleep of the year coming up not that far away. All right, so make sure you go do that. You tell a friend, you tell a family member that they need to listen to this podcast every single day of the week when we want to be here. Leave a rating and review. Share it like on social media, all those things. Who won the votes? Looks like it's Politico talking about how Putin, hey, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, this is the moment where we finally got serious about green energy. He is the top influencer when it comes to Europe's green agenda. They even say in here, Putin's influence on Europe's green agenda in 2022 is inarguable. So congrats. He's going to save the world, Putin. That's a, that's a great job, everyone. All right. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, we will be gone tomorrow. There will be an episode, however, because I'm about to do an interview here in just a little bit. We'll be gone tomorrow. And uh, live shows won't be happening Monday or Tuesday because we'll still be in Miami. But there should be other episodes coming out from some of the interviews that we're doing over the weekend. So with all that being said, make sure you tell people about the show. Make sure you go find us on Twitter and YouTube and all those things. And if you do all of that... And I mean all of it. And we'll be back next week sometime. Until then, have a good day and a good several days. Liberty.